and health and, and supernatural refreshing. And I hear the Lord saying that there is supernatural faith being released in your heart for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you've discovered what it looks like to have him lift up your eyes, lift up your face, and your face shines as you look upon him. And I hear the Lord saying that nothing is impossible for those who believe, that the Lord has deposited within you a gift of faith. And that it's a mountain moving gift of faith that is childlike in nature and full of delight. And I hear the Lord saying that there are many that are going to come and say, I just want you to lay hands on me. I want what you've got. It's a bubbling over joy that is empowering supernatural strength. And I hear the Lord saying, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. The Holy Spirit is renewing your youth like the eagle. And the Lord says, even as you've looked to me and, and learned what it looks like, it's like you've found the special strength it's like I see you eating this stuff that just refreshes you and you've found it. You've found the source and you know how to get it. And the Lord says you're going to encourage and refresh others even as you are continually refreshed. So Father, I bless her in the name of Jesus. Amen. Could I pray for you just sitting next to Joseph? Yeah, what was your name? Dante. Sorry, I going to say that. Thank you, Jesus, for Dante. I looked over to you, and the first thing I saw was just like you're a builder. And I feel like the Lord has put in you that um, you, you're like a pioneer. You establish things. There's like this desire in your heart to establish things, to build things from the ground up, and to make things, make things great. And I feel like there's this, this spirit of excellence upon you, that you see, these, you see things that are that are maybe not quite up to scratch, and you're like, I can fix that. And like, Bob the Builder, can we fix this, Bob the Builder? Yes, we can. <laughs> and and he, he's given you the, the creativity, he's given you the, the tools and the, the means as well. He's giving you these things, I feel like, in this season, that he's giving you these opportunities to be able to see these things come to pass and to be able to establish these things and giving you the tools in your hands to be able to make that a reality. And I also feel like you have such wisdom on your life as well, that you're a really wise person. And that he's increasing this wisdom as well inside of you. As you grow, so does your wisdom. And also this gift of faith as well. Like Elijah, he'd see in the sky just a cloud, and yep, that was the promise coming to him. That was, that was the rain that was coming. It's like you see something, and you're like, yep, that's all I need just to go. And he loves that obedience about you. He loves that faith, that hope in you. So thank you, Jesus, for this hope. Thank you for this faith. In Jesus' name, bless him. Amen. 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 Um, the lovely lady in the white just here. Yes. Can you stand up for me? What's your name? Yes, yes. Dina. Um, I just was captivated by your outfit. Um, do you know... Um, Okay, I'll just, I'll just give you what I heard. So what I heard was the song from um, Sound of Music, Edelweiss. <laughs> and the Lord was singing it over you. And say the, the line, you look happy to see me, he, he was beaming. You 
look happy to see him and he is happy to see you. And I felt the Lord say, he loves your eye for detail. He loves your eye for detail. I don't know if you love fashion or if you, yeah, are in that realm, but it's like the little shiny buttons and the little things that no one else sees. He loves that you see those things. And I feel that there's that gifting you to see that in people as well, not just in garments, that you see little details about people that delights the Father, but that not many other people would notice. I felt the Lord's honing that capacity. So you're going to see things in people that others don't notice, but that the Lord sees delight in. And by speaking into them, you're actually going to magnify them so that they actually grow into that even more than they were before. And I felt the Father's just delight in in you, like his face just beaming at you. And um, I also saw him undoing, like there was this big ball of twine that had knotted up. And I saw him undoing it and I saw that you'd been a bit frustrated that there was this big knot, but the Lord was actually undoing it and it was fine silk. And he was taking his time and undoing this knot, but he he's then sewing it into something beautiful. So I thank you, Lord, that you are undoing things and making them beautiful. Thank you that everything is beautiful in your time. Amen. 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 Just a little PS there. Um, I've just been in Switzerland. I was looking for the Edelweiss. So like, I'm feeling like sound of music. I've got to find Edelweiss somewhere. But it only grows at particular altitudes and it only grows at, at, in September. So I missed it. Praise the Lord. But I, I heard the Lord say, even as Meg just said that, I heard the Lord say that he's given you hinds feet for high places, that you are one that's been designed to flourish on the heights. And there's a rare beauty about it. The Lord says, people are going to say, I want to know God like you do, that, that you are one that's going to find him in a special and glorious way. There's, a, there's a, a special calling on your life to come aside and seek his face. And God's giving you supernatural ideas in the those secret places on the heights and the Lord delights to download to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation counsel you're going to get witty inventions supernatural ideas as you're on the heights with him so father I bless her in Jesus name amen hallelujah thank you guys praise the Lord well we'll be praying for some more people toward the end of the service but let's pray can we Father, I thank you. This is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, we come to give you all the praise and all the glory. Father, thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. God, we're so grateful. Lord, thank you for reviving our hearts. Lord, we're asking for more. Lord, immerse us. Lord, in your supernatural revival, let us live continually aware of your presence in the mighty and the holy name of Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. We have been looking at the key of David. You might say, what is this key of David? that they're talking about. But the key of David is referred to in Isaiah 22, 22, that the key of David is something that opens doors no man can shut, closes doors no man can open. And, and this really fascinating concept of this key of David, what is it that David had? 
Well, as you study the life of David, you recognize that it wasn't about how well he lived or anything other than the fact that David had a connection with God. David had a relationship that had obviously been cultivated since he was young. We read about how when he went out to face Goliath, he referenced the lion and the bear that came against the sheep while he was out there in the sheepfolds. And God helped me then and God will help me now. And he learned to commune with God, to have fellowship with God. He obviously had a real connection. We know that because if you compare the life of David and the life of Saul, you never read the Psalms of Saul. Saul would talk to, he knew about God, he believed in God, he knew the need that Israel and he had for God's help. But you see him talking to the Lord always through someone, through a prophet, and if he couldn't get a prophet, then through a medium. You know, he was looking, uh, knowing I need God, but he didn't have himself a personal relationship, a personal connection. And this is what the key of David is. It's this personal, dynamic, honest relationship. I was reading about the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector today. And the difference between this Pharisee that would get up and proclaim about how good he was and all the things that he did, and the, and the tax collector who just stood at a distance and beat his breast saying, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus looked and said, that's the one that's going away justified today. What it was, it was humility. It was a humility that was approaching God, recognizing I have genuine need of you. Humility asks for help, and the humble get help. Hallelujah. And David had this contrite heart. He knew when he'd messed up, I need help. I need God. I've sinned against you. Have mercy on me. He was tender-hearted. He was a heart of worship, a heart of thanksgiving, and he knew where his strength came from. We read in Psalm 27, which we've been looking at for the last little while, it's so beautiful. I'll just read it from the beginning. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Of whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise against me, in spite of this, I will be confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord, and that shall I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. Down in verse 8, he goes on to say, When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, I will seek. He goes on and says, When mother and father forsake me, you will take care of me. And then the psalm finishes off, I would have despaired unless I had believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. David knew something that we all come to a place of needing to recognize. My dad has a favorite poem um, that he loves his poetry. And it was, it's called The Hound of Heaven. And it's this 
poem, old poem that talks about how I fled him down the, the nights and the days, I fled him through the years, and he ever kept after me, these feet, those feet keep coming after me, until finally he gets to the point where he realizes the Lord reveals to him and he understands, oh, fondest, blindest, weakest, it's me whom thou seekest. And he realizes, oh, all the things I've been looking for, all the ways I've been trying to search for satisfaction and happiness, this is the one thing that I have needed all along. David understood this. One thing I have desired, this shall I seek. We sing songs and about, you're all I want. Or you can have the whole world, just give me Jesus. And it can sound so holy, it can sound so righteous. And if we're not careful, we can put it in the category of that's where I should be. I should have that motivation. And so it's some sort of religious thing that one day I'll get there that I'll really have that motivation. That, yeah, you can have the whole world, but give me Jesus. That, that one day I'll get to that place where really nothing else matters. But you know, God's not looking for you to achieve a place of supernatural, uh, spiritual holiness or righteousness where you're able to say that, yes, nothing has any hold on me because I only need Jesus. It's not that that is this one thing that, that David was talking about. David, when he said one thing... I have needed one thing I seek. He said it out of a revelation that he knew that was what his spirit craved above everything else. That he could have the whole world and it still wouldn't satisfy. He understood that I know, I know that no matter what, it doesn't matter. And he was writing this in the midst of just having been terribly betrayed, having the same armies that he had led in battle to defeat the enemy, the same army that had seen him defeat Goliath, were now believing a lie that he was a traitor, he'd been lied about, he'd been slandered, and now he was being hunted, all the while having a promise to be their king. And yet he would say, the Lord is my light and my salvation, one thing I have desired, this will I seek. His number one priority was, I just need to see your face. I just want to gaze on your beauty. And it wasn't because he was super holy. It was because he found and knew the only thing that was the true strength of his life. Wait upon the Lord. I say, yes, wait upon the Lord. Let your heart take courage. He knew that in that place of looking on his face, he could take courage. He could give his weakness and receive strength. He could give his fears and receive love. He knew this one thing, this is what I live for. This is what I'm made for. Hallelujah. You and I were created for fellowship. I was thinking about prayer the other night and um, reading 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's a great passage. Some of you may remember a memory verse I taught you the other night. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Who knows it? Rejoice always. 
It's really, if you want to start learning memory verses, that's a great verse. Rejoice always. That's it. Verse 16. Bang. Got it. Actually, if you want to learn another one, there's one straight after that that's similarly short. Verse 17. What does it say? Pray without ceasing. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Wow. God's purpose is that you would live in a place where you are continually thinking about his goodness, that you are continually in fellowship with God, that you are living intentionally, taking all that is within you and putting your focus on the one who is good, whose loving kindness never fails, putting your focus on what you can be grateful for. This is the will of God for you because because that is what God's desire is, that you would walk in unbroken fellowship with him. Sometimes we, when we think about prayer, we think that, you know, oh, I wish I could pray like the really good prayer warriors. I, I've, I've tried praying literally for hours on end, but sometimes if I actually just go and pray for hours on end, I end up getting a sore throat and losing my voice. Thinking that prayer, you know, a really good prayer is long prayer. But, you know, while long prayer is good, you can also run out of things to say if you're just like talking all the time. And then he says, pray without ceasing. Like, I can't even preach if I pray for a really long time because I've got no voice left. <laughs> so what is it? God's not looking for your sacrifice. He's not looking for your performance. The, the Pharisee wasn't justified by his long and eloquent prayers. God is looking for heart connection. He is looking for humility and honesty that engages in continual conversation all day, all night, all the time, talking with him, walking with him. That should give some of you great joy and great peace if you've had in your mind that you're not as great a Christian as someone that spends six hours in prayer because God would prefer that you walked and talked with him all the time continually than you having six hours of prayer one moment and nothing for several days. God is looking for your fellowship. You were created in the image of God and designed to walk and talk with him and to have him as your very best friend. We're going to look today at Exodus chapter 33. When I think about the key of David, I think, well, David, he, he found God as a youth. And as a result... He could never be satisfied with a formal, technical relationship. His heart was continually moved to want to know him more. One thing I've desired, this shall I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. You are my light and my salvation. He found what was needful. He found that which satisfied his soul. And as a result, he continually was provoked to seek him more. The same happened with Moses. Moses found the Lord. 
He had an encounter in the wilderness. There was a burning bush. Did anyone know the story? It's a burning bush. I'm so grateful that he didn't just see the burning bush and run home and tell his wife. Amazing. I saw a bush that was burning and wasn't consumed. Sometimes we can see... um, We can see a miracle or we can have a prophetic word or we can hear a great message and go, wow, that was God. Did you hear how they prophesied that and then that happened and wow, oh, did you see, that was God, that was amazing. It's so good to recognize when something is God. But Moses, when he recognized that this was something supernatural, the Bible says he turned aside and then the voice spoke to him out of the bush And he found the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He found the living God. And the Lord gave him a commission, his purpose. And as a result, Moses was never the same. We're going to pick it up in Exodus chapter 33. This comes right after Moses has been up on the mountain, received the Ten Commandments, come down, and found the people have made a golden calf and he's had to he's thrown the stones down, everything's dissolved and, 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 and everything's terrible. And so Moses goes and intercedes on behalf of the people, please, Lord, forgive them. And the Lord speaks and he says here in verse 3, go up. To a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, for you're an obstinate people and I might destroy you on the way. He says, hey, all right, you can have everything I promised because I, I have promised it. Off you go. But hey, nah, I'm not going with you. Moses, go, Moses comes before the Lord. Verse 7. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And it came about whenever Moses went out to the tent, that all the people would arise and stand, each at the entrance of his tent, and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. Whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship each at the entrance of his tent. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you yourself have not let me know whom you'll send with me. Moreover, you've said, I've known you by name, and and you have also found favour in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray you, if I've found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you. Remember, this is a man that it says here, spoke with God on a regular basis as a man speaks with his friend face to face. He had this beautiful, intimate relationship. He'd been up on the mountain with the 70 elders with the Lord, with the sea of glass, and they ate and drank on the sea of glass with the Lord. It's in the book. Like, significant encounters. These same ones who had that encounter then went and worshipped a golden calf when things got tough. 
But Moses, he had had an encounter with the Lord that he allowed to so deeply impact his heart that he cultivated it. And as a result, his hunger to be with God, to communicate with God grew and grew to the point that he had a tent set up outside the camp where he would go and meet with the Lord. I need to talk to you. And this one, he says to the Lord, I need to know you. It already says that he spoke with him as a man speaks with his friend face to face. And yet, the more I seek you, the more I find you, the more I find you, the more I want to know you. That the more you have to him who has, more will be given. As you press in to the invitation to seek his face, the hunger and the desire to know him and seek his face grows and grows. Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 1 for believers who'd had a revelation, who'd had an encounter with God, who were born again. He prayed that the Father would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of their understanding would be continually enlightened to know him more, to know the hope of his calling, to understand the value they had as his inheritance in the earth, to understand the greatness of the power toward them who believed. There was this understanding that there is always more. And this is what happens when you give yourself to seeking the Lord. Matthew 7 tells us, Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. The whole meaning of life The whole purpose of why you are on this planet is that you would have real dynamic relationship with the living God. That you would walk and talk continuously with the one who created you, with the one who knows you better than anybody else, with the one who will never leave you or forsake you, with the one who never needs time out, never needs to be by himself, but the one who loves you more than you can physically, emotionally or spiritually handle. He wants to give you supernatural strength by his spirit, Ephesians 3, so that you can comprehend just how seriously glorious his love for you is. That it is so unending, it is so intense, you need supernatural help to be able to walk in this continuous, increasing measure of glory until you come to the place where you are filled continuously with all the fullness of God. That you walk around as the light of the world, shining with a face brighter than Moses had when he came down out of the mountain. Because we with unveiled faces behold as in a mirror his glory. We are invited into fellowship where we can pray continually by simply cultivating an awareness that he is with me all the time. That's why Paul prays that you may know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit because it's the meaning of life. It's what we were created for. This is the will of God for you in Christ, that you would live continually in his presence. In his presence there is fullness of joy. So rejoice. 
Rejoice always. Pray, talk to him, pour out your heart to him, worship him, fellowship with him without ceasing. And then in everything, give thanks. God doesn't want you to live full of worry. He doesn't want you living in and out of a place of encounter. He wants to lead you in more and more and deeper and deeper and richer and richer revelation of his great love, of his glory than you have ever understood. Hallelujah. Moses got this. And it tells us here, in Exodus 33, that as he would talk to him, he's speaking to the Lord and he says, let me know your ways that I may know you, that I may find favor in your sight. He already had it, but he wanted more. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he, the Lord said, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. Ah, hooray, praise the Lord, that's excellent, yay. And then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, don't lead us up from here. In other words, if you don't go with us, I don't have your presence, I don't care about all the promises. It will not satisfy. I'm not going unless I have your presence because I have found the one thing and nothing else is going to satisfy me. If you think you'll be happy when... When I get a wife, when I get a husband, when this happens, when I have the fulfillment, when I'm in my right for calling, when I'm seeing the miracles, when I'm seeing this happen, then I'll be happy. You are in for disappointment. Because the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 that you can have all knowledge. You can speak in other tongues. You can, you can have, let's read it. You can have all these glorious things. But if you haven't got love, you've got nothing. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, if I, but do not have love, I've become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I've met some of those. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, if they can read your mail, but they don't have love, it's nothing. It's worthless. And know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, if I surrender my body to be burned, but I don't have love, it profits me nothing. What it's saying there, sometimes we read that as if I'm not giving love, if I'm not, if you don't have his love, nothing, no gift, no fulfillment, no promise is going to do it for you. Only knowing and experiencing his love on a continuous, ever-increasing basis is going to satisfy your heart. If your presence doesn't go with me, it doesn't matter about the land flowing with milk and honey. It doesn't matter about all the victories. I need you more than I need anything else. And this is the one thing David understood. Let's just keep reading here in Exodus 33. He says, 
If your presence does not go with us, don't lead us up from here. For how then can it be known if I've found favor in your sight and your people, if not by your going with us, so that we and I, your people, may be distinguished from all other people who are on the face of the earth? It's not by their gifts that you'll know them. It's by their fruit. That is the fruit of the Holy Spirit who's dwelling on the inside of you, the presence of God. Hallelujah, is what will distinguish us from all the other people on the face of the earth, from all the other meetings. You can go to a great charity meeting. You could go to a wonderful club. But if you don't have and experience the presence of God, it is not going to distinguish you from all the other people on the earth. It's the presence of God that the world is craving, even if they don't know it. O fondest, blindest, weakest, it is me that thou seekest. God is trying to get our attention to recognize I am the one that your heart's longing for. But then he says here, the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you've spoken, for you've found favor in my sight and I've known you by name. You'd think Moses would be like, oh, that's good, hooray. But immediately he goes on and says, Moses said, I pray, show me your glory. He's just got his petition. But he's recognized, the more I seek you, the more my heart burns. I need to see you. I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, Job said, but now I see you and I'm undone. I repent in dust and ashes. The glory of the Lord is intoxicating. It is gloriously addictive. And if you'll give yourself to feeding on who he is, give yourself to gathering all that is within you, to bless his name, to giving thanks, to meditating on who he is, to talking to him, very quickly your heart will start to blaze with a burning passion that says, show me your glory. Everything else becomes meaningless in, the, in light of who you are. And when you come to that place where he and his love have conquered you, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. Because none of these things, none of the blessings of God will capture your heart or your attention because he already has. You're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. What do you want? God wants you to recognize what your spirit is really craving. God wants you to know that your heart is crying out, Oh God, I want to know you. If you will intentionally grab a hold of your thoughts, your attention, and you'll bring them to the obedience of Christ, saying, God, I'm going to give thanks, I'm going to rejoice, I'm going to fix my eyes on you, then the Lord himself will satisfy your soul. Hallelujah. God wants to continually cause you to recognize, he's my desire. I remember years ago going to pray, just one night after dinner, put the kids to bed and I thought I'll go and spend some time with the Lord. I could feel him drawing me. 
I walked into my room and I was shocked because I saw an angel waiting in the room. You know, God is more excited about spending time with you than you are. And I walked in and I just started praying. I was praying all the things. I I prayed everything I could think to pray. Until finally my spirit cried out in exasperation, what do I want? God, what do I want? Because everything I was asking just wasn't touching this deep yearning that I was developing in my heart. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, you want to be loved. And my heart went, yes, that's what I want. And the Lord came and he just poured his love into my heart. You know what? This is the key of David. When you let your heart cry out in revelation, in recognition, you are the one that my soul longs for. You can give, you can have the whole world, but if I don't have you, your face, your love, then it will not satisfy me. You are what I seek. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. I want to know you. I believe we have stepped into a place where the Spirit of God is revealing to you that He truly is your light and your salvation. And in His light, we see light. And the more we look, the more we'll recognize, this is what I've been looking for. This is what I've been longing for. God wants to so light up your heart with delight in the knowledge of him that nothing else has captured you. Nothing else can touch you. You'll be able to declare with confidence like David, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? It doesn't matter if an army comes against me. God is for me. It doesn't matter if mother and father forsake me. You will take care of me. I will wait upon the Lord and take courage because you are my source. You're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. It's the truth. Sometimes we can know it, but if you'll let yourself be drawn in to the invitation that he's continually offering to come and turn aside, give me your attention, pray without ceasing. Involve me throughout your day in your conversation. Talk to me. Know that I am more for you than any person on the planet. I am for you. I am with you. And I long not to be an accessory. In the Song of Songs, chapter 3, we see the heart of the bride that, that has got the promise of her bridegroom, the beloved He's mine, my beloved is mine, and I am his. But she says, as he says, come with me onto the mountains, she says, off you go, you go and do that. I'm so glad that I have your promise. It's lovely to be your bride. Off you go, I'll just wait here. I'm quite comfortable here. But yes, I love you, you're awesome. And without a short time in the next chapter, chapter three, she's tossing and turning on a bed going, oh, my heart is seeking the one I love. 
She recognized that, hey, having his promise, having salvation, having connection with God through the promise of salvation isn't enough if I leave it there. Salvation is an invitation into relationship. And if I don't have that, I'm going to toss and turn on my bed. I'm going to be looking. And she says, I sought him until I found him. And then when I found him, I would not let him go. I believe the Lord is waiting for us to seek him, find him, and then not let him go. This is what revival looks like. It's not just a glory cloud coming into the room or a a ball of fire hitting you. It's an invitation into a revival relationship that says, I must have you at any cost. You're all I want. It's an invitation to step in and it's right here, right now, this day. This that was prophesied. Carsten just prophesied. He's put you there. He's ready to go. The purposes of God, the promises, they're all ready to go. God is waiting on you to look at him and say, yes, God, I surrender. Your love has conquered me. Yes, God, I thank you that I don't have to be on some long journey to find you. But God, you're here and my heart is crying out. Yes, you're the one I seek. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word. You are faithful. God, I ask. Lord, that you would turn up the brightness of your light, if the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened in the knowledge of you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to to disturb our comfort places where we have laid back and said, it's enough that I have the ticket to heaven. God, we ask you that you'd stir us up to recognize what our soul truly wants. Lord, that you'd give us supernatural strength to be able to comprehend this love that passes knowledge and that you would lead us in true and continuous revival in the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. You know what amen means? Praise the Lord. Do you know what you're in for if you believed your amen just then? Happy day. Praise the Lord. Ah, That makes me, I'm just smiling at how God's going to revive your hearts. Oh, I can feel the pleasure of the Lord. I can feel hearts turning to him, waking up throwing off blankets of heaviness. I can feel it right now. There's some people here. You're feeling that revival anointing coming upon you right now. I want you to stand up if that's you. Right now, you can feel that revival anointing coming upon you. You can feel the awakening, the shaking off. (laughs) So, Father, in the name of Jesus, to him who has, more will be given. Lord, I thank you for more. Let more come. Let more come. And Lord, we ask that you would pour it out in increasing measure. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you. Yes, God, stir us up. 
Stir us up. You are our glory and the lifter of our head. Father, stir us up. Lord, I thank you. Help us to recognize the moving of your spirit and help us, Lord, to respond to you. Lord, you said, seek my face. Our hearts say to you, your face, Lord, we will seek in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for an impartation right now. And for those who are watching, of the spirit of revival, Lord, upon their hearts. Lord, that it would awaken them to know this is what their soul is craving. This is what they are longing for. This is their heart's desire. In the name of Jesus Christ, revive their prayer life. Revive their worship. Revive, Lord God, their everyday praying with Without ceasing, bless them indeed, Lord God. Bless them with your favor. Bless them with your presence and show them your glory, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen.